Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. As loved ones of first responders and military personnel, we often face life situations and challenges that many others don't experience. And while each of us and our experiences are unique, together we can learn from one another and become stronger in this journey of life. Now let's step out of mediocrity. It's time to thrive. Hi, Waiting Warriors. Welcome to today's episode. I have seasoned military wife and writer for her blog, My Battle Call, Valley Gideons. Welcome, Valley, and welcome. I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. Happy to okay. be here. Good. Um, so why don't you kind of introduce yourself, your family situation, all of that good stuff. Okay, well, let me summarize a quarter of a century of being with a Marine in one minute or less. Yes. First, thanks for having me. And uh, let's see. Well, I met my Marine 20, almost 26 years ago. We've been married 23 years. We've moved. We just were counting it up last night. 10 moves. We've done 10 deployments. And we have two kids and our rescue puppy. Yeah. And... I have two children who have cochlear implants, so that's a lot about what I write on my blog, military mm-hmm. life, and also what it's like to raise children with hearing loss. Right. And just so you, the listeners know, if you don't follow her, you really should, because one, she's very um, honest and upfront, which I enjoy because it's not you don't do it in like a in a whiny way, if that makes sense. Like you're very straightforward about the things that you guys are struggling with, but it's not, it's not really complaining and whining. It's just, this is what's going on and this is what we get to jump through right now. But you're also really, really funny sometimes. And I, I don't have any kids with any hearing loss or whatever, but it's, your posts are definitely making me think about kids who do and how we need to remember that not everybody has the same capabilities as we do. So we need to make sure we're not imposing our biases on everybody. So if you're not following her or reading her blog, you really should. It's a good one. So let's jump into all of that though. They have this hearing loss. How has that change your life? Because I know you raise them to be as normal as possible, but I'm assuming that there are still very unique circumstances that come with that kind of um, hearing loss. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they're 12 and 14 now. So we've been kind of going through this process, navigating it for, you know, 14 years. So if you would have asked me this, 10, 12 years ago, I'd have a very different answer. Mm -hmm. But, um, and that's part of why I write about it is to really spread understanding and help with acceptance and to really help that new mom parent that's getting the diagnosis wondering, is my kid going to be okay? Mm -hmm. Because it is really hard in the beginning. And there's still hard parts, but the beginning was excruciating. Particularly for us, we had no family history. 
you know, we didn't have any indication that we would be getting this diagnosis at birth. So, I mean, it really threw us into a world we didn't know anything about. So, um, I just want to share what we've learned and that, yes, it's hard and there's going to be struggles, but in the end, it's going to be okay. And everybody's okay does look differently. They're not, your child's not going to end up like my child, but I mean, I think I'm one of the few, maybe that's why I find the humor and teenageness, but I'm one of the few that like loves having tween and teen. And mm-hmm. I think it's just because I was so worried if my kids would be okay. And now I know they're going to be okay. So Interesting. I think I just, I see it differently. Yeah. But I think, you know, I'd never really thought I'd become an advocate of sorts, but it's kind of the role I've stepped into and I, I pretty proud and honored to be anybody's role model when it comes to mothering kids with special needs. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I even answered your question, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how has it changed your life? And maybe even an- give us the answer that it would have been when you first, you know, the first year or two, and then compare that to what your answer is now. Um, I think. How it changed our life. Well, it was our first baby. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of the strange part. I don't know what life would have been like had I had a hearing baby. I often wonder, actually, what it would have been like to raise, we always, in quotes, a normal baby. But I guess typical mm-hmm. is the better word. I don't know. There's not really a great word because I don't think of yeah. my kids as not typical And special needs is even kind of strange, but their needs are other than typical. Right. So I try to not minimize. We went through that stage where we minimized their hearing loss. And I realized that was a disservice to them and the people around them because we minimized it so much because we did want them to be treated normal that people would then not acknowledge or understand they actually need accommodations to have access to sound. So a cochlear implant is not a cure for hearing loss. It's okay. just gives them the ability to access sound, but it still doesn't mean it's, it's not how me and you hear is not how they hear. Right. So I think that's also part of my advocacy is for teachers, coaches, parents, um, family members, anyone who comes into contact with a child or adult, for that matter, with hearing loss is they look normal. It's really an invisible disability. Mm -hmm. So just to keep that in mind that, um, you know, I have a whole bunch of steps and things you can, you know, things you can do to ensure that you're making it sound most accessible to them, Mm -hmm. for them. And they're pretty good at advocating for themselves now. Pretty good. But again, they don't want to stand out as anyone other than just a normal kid as well. So we're, that's a new phase we've entered is when they were little, they might have been more willing to raise their hand and say, I didn't hear it. Now they're going to fake it because, you know, no teenager wants the whole class to look at them and yeah, draw attention. Not Particularly my oldest, my son, he's, he is an introvert, which is ironic since my blog is called My Battle Call and his name is Battle. And he is the reason I began writing about it. I don't know what life would have been like and how it's changed our life. I think it's made us more empathetic, for Mm -hmm. sure. More empathetic and understanding for 
um, anyone who's parenting or dealing with something outside of the ordinary. Yeah. And I'm curious, because I know you've moved around a ton. I'm assuming that not, do, like, do your kids need a, like bi-monthly or yearly checkups? Do they need any special kind of doctor that they check in with, with their implants? And has that affected the moves you've been able to make or where the Marines has been able to send you? Yeah, actually, that's interesting. Uh, we were just talking about this. They're both enrolled in the EFMP, Exceptional Family Member Program. Mm-hmm. And because their a cochlear implant is such a specialty, there's not audiologists that pro- are in that business everywhere. So we do have that category. Um, as far as where we can be sent, can only or orders can only they, we have to be within so many miles of an implant programming center. However. Right away, we learned, I'll go back, we were um, living in Cleveland, Ohio, when my son was born and diagnosed. And so, by the grace of God, we were living at five miles away from the Cleveland Clinic, one of the leading implant centers. We worked with one of the best auditory verbal therapists in the, I think in the world. I think he's since retired, but he's still on the board for Alexander Graham Bell and He's a professor at University of Akron. And wow. So, yeah, the mistake by the lake was actually a blessing for us because we had access to geneticists that were, like, above and beyond. And, however, what that taught us is what it looked like to have top-notch services. Mm. So the bar was set very high. And so when we got orders to the next place, we did not have the same experience. So that was really challenging trying to figure out how we were going to manage that. So it often meant commuting to that more state-of-the-art center. Mm-hmm. And then when we finally got orders back to California, which is where I'm from, we found one of the best audiologists in the country. Again, professor, she's been in the business forever. And so she started seeing our kids when they were, my son was two and my daughter was a baby. Okay. And we had such a rapport with her that wherever we've been stationed since, on our dime, we fly back to oh, have wow. her. It's called mapping, and it's mm-hmm. when they hook them into the they hook their implants into the computer, and they actually shape the program that's implanted down into their cochlea. So there's 27 electrodes in each implant, and so it's a very sophisticated art form of programming them. When they were babies, they can't tell you if it's not right. Yeah. And now, obviously, they're like experts at being put in the sound booth for audiograms, and um, they're very reliable sources for testing. She's she's marvels at they're like her superstar kids. <laughs> but we just felt that that was a worthwhile investment for us to make to fly back. So when we were living in Tampa, Florida, every three months, me and the kids flew back to. She's based out of San Diego to see her. Wow. We just, we just did it. Yeah. And that's just what you decided you like the way you wanted to, to fight for your kids and them getting the, the yeah. treatment that they deserve. That's amazing. That's awesome. You know, but you know, that being said, there's so many families that would not be able to do that. Yeah. One, I'm from California, so I always had, you know, a person to stay with. 
<laughs> and, and it was an excuse to come home, get a break from the humidity of Florida. And we would spend extended stays. I mean, they were little, so we could do it. Mm-hmm. But for people who don't have that kind of access, I think it's just trusting your gut and asking around. You've got to ask. Yeah. Moms and- know. Yeah, moms, moms right. always know. <laughs> That's the military wives. We know. I mean, do you want to know anything? Ask the military wife. That's true. Especially one that's been in the area for like by six months. I feel like you've at least the if you've been in the military for a while, after you've been in a place for six months, you know that you just need to know as yeah. much as you possibly can. I mean, for real. It's like dog lives, right? Our six months is like someone <laughs> else's three years. <laughs> So true. Yeah. So your kids are doing really, really well. I think it's awesome. Um, following you, you post stuff. Your daughter is a basketball player and I love it. And all like she just goes after life. And neither of them seem like they're letting anything stop them from being who they want to be. But um, you also just are a military family and there are hardships and struggles with that. So what I wanted to ask you is what has been the biggest hardship or hurdle that you guys have had to get over during this whole Marine military life? Like, was it figuring out how to communicate as a couple or getting through deployments or was it reintegrating? Um, I know you had a post about that a few months ago, or was it just figuring out like work home balance what what was that big or is the big hurdle for you guys oh my goodness that's such a huge question right <laughs> this is our t- we just finished our 10th deployment because mm-hmm. my husband deployed while we were dating too so that's how we've racked up so many i think six since we've had children though um yeah i wrote one of my most viral posts, it was the one, I don't know if you saw it, Ashton Kutcher shared it. Yeah. Like, hey, I know, right? I'm not starstruck, but I was like, okay, this one, I'm liking this one. Next, next up, Ellen. <laughs> right? They're buddies, but um, what's hard has changed. Mm-hmm. So I think for always it's the deployments, the, sep- the being apart is the hardest, right? And it's hard for different reasons. When they were toddlers, I mean, that's just, I mean, the toddler years were very hard for us, just with all the devices and all the appointments and surgeries. And my son had sensory issues, so we were dealing with helping him manage those. And But this last one that he just returned from, it was nine months, so it was a longer one for a Marine. And my son became a teenager while, while he was gone. And so the shift had already happened from me being my son's person to dad being his person. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I realized I can't be both mom and dad. I've tried, Mm -hmm. but now I can't give him what his dad gives him. And just trying to get through, I mean, the angst, you know, his little heart was little. Now he's taller than me. His heart (laughs) was like breaking and, he was acting out in ways, and there was just really nothing I could do to fix it. But, you know, just try to help him communicate how he was feeling, which he, he did a pretty good job of. Mm-hmm. And then the reintegration, yeah. 
I mean, I think all military spouses talk about it, but this time I just, I said, I, I'm not going to perpetuate the myth that they come home because we had the viral video, which I loved, but, um, you know, the homecoming video. And I realized mm -hmm. what a crock of shit that is. <laughs> that was an amazing moment. And then the next day we're all looking at each other like, now what? Right? Yeah. I mean, the kids were pushing back and, and I'm, you know, stepping in as mama bear, like, and he's sitting there going, when, just let me know when I'm allowed to be a parent. Yeah. Um, so we all had our own struggle. Also, the kids understand the imminent danger. Like, we can't lie to them. Like, my yeah. daughter thought my husband, the Marines, were in band, were a band when she was little. Really? Yes. <laughs> a picture of her at one of my husband's change of command on the parade deck. And she said, why didn't dad play his instrument? Oh. So I'm like, well, that's kind of a good way to let them think that Marines play <laughs> instruments. Yeah. Not, you know, not weapons and get shot at. So, you know, but this time, and I, we would sugarcoat it and play to, try to play down that <laughs> part of it. Like, oh, well, dad, you know, they're not putting kernels in the front anymore. Meanwhile, there's a picture of dad. You know, in the middle of the desert, like holding his weapon, like yeah, that's yeah. not the rear. That doesn't look like the rear to me. <laughs> I think that part was hard too. Like, couldn't shield them anymore from the imminent danger. Yeah, that's scary for a kid. Yeah. So I want to go back for just a minute to their reintegration because I think you brought up a really good point. It was because your homecoming video did go viral. It was really cute. It was a surprise, right? Right. I, right. It was a surprise. It went all over the place. And it were like, we're all, I'm saying we because it's like I was watching and we're all so happy that you're finally home and your family has had this beautiful moment and a ton of people have witnessed it. And then the next day is incredibly hard. But I think, like, because, yeah, I don't know. Because I've heard that reintegration is hard and I've experienced it. My husband hasn't been gone for a deployment, but he's done a lot of courses and classes and, you know, three to six months gone. But he's only had a little bit, but we also just have younger kids. So we haven't had as much the kids fighting back. But I think that's interesting because we do, especially in the way that civilians see the military life, the homecoming is romanticized and it's he's home and now everything's good because you're together as a family, right. but now you have to figure out how to be a family again. So yeah. how do you, what do you guys feel like you have a process for that? Or has it kind of just been, you take one step at a time because each time has been different. Hmm, that's a great question. I think we, we should probably come up with better steps. <laughs> I think, my, well, the reason we did that surprise, by the way, because my kids aren't big on surprises, particularly my son. Like, it's his worst nightmare. You can see by his reaction, he is not into it. Yeah. Um, but my husband is pretty sure that's his last deployment. And we have an adorable video of him surprising the kids coming home when they were little. It's the cutest thing. Mm. So he kind of wanted to bookend. So I got understood it, but my yeah, the, my daughter's reaction is just I'm so glad we have it because her reaction is priceless. Yeah. I mean, 
like if you ever wonder if she loves you, I say to my husband, just watch that video. (laughs) She is literally, you can't console her. Yeah. But I think for me, it's, I have to give up control, you know, and he doesn't do things my way and that's okay. And that's a hard thing because I've parented these kids alone so much and I have a very specific way. And I think because I do advocate for them mm-hmm. so much that if he doesn't do it my way, it doesn't mean it's wrong. And I, I'm trying to see the value more and more in what he brings to the table when it comes to parenting. Mm-hmm. Like he's the yin, I'm the yang, vice versa. Like we're kind of a good balance. So even if it's not my way, just appreciating that, you know, he's participating which he you know he's very involved father and also I tried to put myself in his shoes this deployment was really hard for him really hard missing out on so much like my son started his first season to tackle football well that's my husband's thing yeah they went to didn't they travel really far to go to a game together yeah so they go to the Steelers game they've been doing it I think it was their seventh year no matter where we live, they fly to a Pittsburgh home game. And yeah, so I had to take my son while, while Chris was deployed. It was cute, though, because you know, they stay in the same hotel. They take the bus. They tailgate with the same family. They sit in the same section. They, they have their rituals. And so my, hus- my son kind of took me through it and was kind of in charge. It was his thing, and it was cute. Yeah. But so... I think for my husband, he would, it would, I would love to hear him interviewed and hear what his take is. But I think for him, and you can probably appreciate this, we're just going on with life. Like, we got to keep it rolling around here. And kids yeah. are kids. They're not going to stop what they're doing. So he would, and with technology, it's a blessing and a curse, is what we say. Because we've been through deployments where there was snail mail. That was it, right? You're mm-hmm. waiting for the call from the port with the payphone. And you might get cut off or miss the call. And so, I mean, we've been going through these from, I mean, like really the dinosaur ages. <laughs> but now the progression of technology with FaceTime, for him, it allowed him to see what he was missing. So he's like phoning in frequently and there's dad sitting in his chair with his brown shirt on, <laughs> you know. And the kids won't stop what they're doing to come speak to him. Or I'm in a rush, you know, I'm heading out the door and it would hurt his feelings. Yeah. And it just made him be able to see what he was missing. So he tells his young Marines, yeah, it's be prepared because, you know, six years ago you would have been out in the field and you wouldn't know what was going on back home. Now you're going to actually see it. Yeah. And it's it's makes it almost harder because out of sight, out of mind, kind of. But now they don't, you know. It's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, the bitter and the sweet. So, last question: What is your key to thriving that you want to share with your fellow waiting warriors? Key to thriving. That's a huge question, right? I like to ask the heavy ones. <laughs> As a military wife. I think, I think as a military wife, it's knowing it's okay to support your spouse, believe in your country, believe in their mission, 
And it's also okay to say it's hard. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make you, I used to think when I was a young military wife that if I complained or said something was hard, it made me not patriotic. Well, you knew what you were getting into. I wrote a piece on that, you know, yeah. that actually someone said to me, are you ready to be a military wife? Someone close to me said that as I'm getting ready to get married. And I was like, how the heck would I know? <laughs> I've been married. Did anyone ask you that before you got married? Um, no. So I think it's being true to yourself and not playing a role. You know, you don't have to play the play the part. And military wife, her spouse role has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 have dreams, we have goals. We're we're much more than just you know hosting teas and coffees <laughs> you got stuff to do not that yeah. there was anything wrong with that and my mom was a military wife so you know i've been around military spouses my whole life and they're some of the greatest women i ever met as a kid but you know it's just i think we're able to just be who we were designed to be more than just a dependent yeah yeah and just stay true to that i like that well, thank you so much. I know you've got a busy schedule this afternoon, and we had some technical difficulties. I'm glad it finally worked, though. Yeah, it finally worked. But I'm super grateful for you being um, on the show and sharing with us your insights. Again, guys, check out her blog. Um, you're on, like, everything, though. Your Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, yeah. all oh, that nice stuff. I should mention, too, I'm super excited I'm launching my new website. Ooh. And I've been working with the team and we're going to be launching it hopefully the end of this week, early next week. And it's mybattlecall.com. So mm -hmm. I'll have the link in my Instagram bio or I do most of my musing, I call it on Facebook, <laughs> but it's all going to be housed on my new website. So if people check me out there, that would be awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, check her out and thank you again, Valley, so much. Today's sponsor for the podcast is Clean Simple Eats. If you're like me, you want to eat healthy and feed your family all the good stuff. But the idea of eating clean sparks thoughts of tasteless vegetables and bland chicken. Clean Simple Eats will change all of that for you. And I can confidently say that because they have for our family. I've tried many healthy cookbooks and recipes and few come close to comparing to this. My favorite thing that sets Clean Simple Eats apart is her cookbooks because they are seasonally based. So every flavor-packed recipe is stuff you'll find at the store and in season, saving on your budget. Check out cleansimpleeats.com for her cookbook and protein supplements or follow her on Instagram at cleansimpleeats to learn more.